So I am so excited to be here for another session of Engage with M. Gage. That would be me. I'm sitting here today with attorney Caitlin Sheridan. She is my go-to legal person for both New Hampshire and Massachusetts. And um, can't wait to share all the details that she has for us. So one of the things that we talk about very often, and I should say, welcome, Caitlin. Oh. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So one of the things we talk about all the time is a buyer here in Southern New Hampshire loves to jump the borders, right? Of course. Oh, my goodness. So New Hampshire is really synonymous with Massachusetts and, of course, Maine as well. I am not licensed in Maine, but Caitlin is, so she's going to talk about that piece. But I wanted to just share a quick story with you about New Hampshire and Massachusetts. So, for example... There are um, transfer stamp tax. Of course, the state has to get revenue when there's real estate, right? So in Massachusetts, the seller is the only one that pays the transfer stamp tax, right? That's correct. Seller pays in Massachusetts. Yep. But then conversely, in New Hampshire, it's both buyer and seller. Yes, they split it 50-50. Right. And one of the things that I found, and you might even speak to this too, but you might have a seller that leaves um, Massachusetts, right? They sell their house. They pay their transfer stamp tax. They come to New Hampshire. When we start this whole process, they're like, what do you mean I have to pay? I just paid. I'm not supposed to pay. Right? Of course. Every state has their own closing customs. And in New Hampshire, it is 50-50. Same with the state of Maine. It is also 50-50. But Massachusetts... Uh, closing custom is seller pays 100% of the transfer tax. Yep. And just so everyone knows, and I'm sure if you're in the state, you do know this. So it is a smaller percentage than New Hampshire. So it is much smaller, even though the seller only pays that one side of it. And what is Maine in a retrospect, knowing the other two states? Are they same, like the $15 per thousand, like New Hampshire in Maine? Do you remember what? Or I don't remember the dollar value exactly, yeah. but it is a dollar value per thousand, okay. just like New Hampshire. Perfect. That's great. And one of the other things between the states that I also find is our um, sewer, septic, whatever word you want to use with that, right? Massachusetts has this wonderful law called Title V. That's correct. Yep. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So Title V is a requirement in Massachusetts where every seller um, needs to have a Title V certificate, have a septic inspector come and inspect the septic, and receive a certificate if everything is approved. Um, It must be within two-year period before the sale. So, I mean, if you're not ready to sell now, but you're ready to sell in the near future... Um, that's a good thing in Massachusetts to go ahead and get set up on. Um, that is a requirement. Um, you cannot sell in Massachusetts unless you have that Title V, except if it's to an immediate family member. Good point. I had totally forgotten about that when you transfer to family. Good point. One thing I did find out, and you might find this interesting, so I had a Title V the other day. And if you, so Caitlin mentioned that the Title V is good for a two-year period. If you pump the tank within the two-year time frame, they actually extend it another year. That's correct. Yep. Right. So it is for three years, which I thought was amazing. And I like to be a little proactive, um, not to go too far ahead like Caitlin mentioned, but if it's something that you're thinking about um, and you're going to be selling your property, it's good to know ahead of time because if for some reason there was something wrong with it, right, and it needed to be addressed, it's good to do it sooner than later. So Title V is in Massachusetts Absolutely not in New Hampshire. That's correct. Yep. Right? There is no septic um, requirement for an inspection. Right. 
And what about our smoke certs and masks? Yes. So that's another Massachusetts requirement. Smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors have a requirement that they have to be inspected by the fire department located within the town. So that needs to be set up in advance. And those actually expire um, within 60 days. So it has to be within 60 days of closing. Super good point. So I had totally forgot about that time frame. I know it is much shorter. And the other thing that I'm finding is in these local towns that they have one inspector that does this. So it's not like you can just call up and say, hey, can you come by my house this afternoon, right? That's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's on their schedule. Like they might only do it Tuesdays or Thursdays or whatever that is. And I did find out that if you call the fire department, they will actually send you a guide. It's a written guide and it will say, okay, if your house was built here, um, the type of house that it is and what the expectation is that they're looking for. So it's a good way to be proactive, get that sheet, you know, kind of compare it with what's in your house currently, maybe call an electrician. But again, that's where I come in the real estate agent to kind of guide you through that whole thing. And this, um, Smoke certification, it runs anywhere between 40 and $80, depending on the town. So it's not a huge thing, but as Caitlin mentioned, it is absolutely required. And let me tell you, she will ask for it at closing. So I'm just warning you, you better have your receipt when you come. Yes, it is Massachusetts law that that is required. Um, so that isn't something that can be waived. Great. And that also, that's another thing that I wanted to talk about, too, is um, so with fraud today on all levels. Buyers and sellers both have to bring some type of ID to closing. That's correct. Like current, I had a seller the other day that literally had an expired license and didn't even know about it until we got to the table. And then it was like, oh no. That's correct. So you do have to have a valid photo ID. Now there are some ways where if your ID is expired, you can bring some other forms of identification, birth certificates, social security numbers, um, things like that, that can, you know, um, once you have the totality of the circumstances, as long as the notary can reasonably identify who you are, you can move forward with your closing. Good point. And I guess would a passport work if the passport was valid, like the time frame? Oh, yes, of course. That's Because that is federal identification. Okay. Okay. Good. That's great. That sounds wonderful because we do run into that. Um, You know, the last minute you're getting things out of your house and you're trying to clean and clean out the fridge and, you know, doing all of these things to get out and make sure it's all on time. This is definitely one thing that we forget to do. And it is one of the most important pieces, identification. Absolutely. And that actually goes into property fraud. Property fraud in New England is extremely Um, high risk right now. So especially vacant properties and especially the vacant properties that have no mortgages on them. Right. There have been many instances um, in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Massachusetts lately. Um, Even within the past 12 months, there's been at least 10 to 15 cases of known property fraud where fraudsters are pretending to be sellers and owners of the property. Yeah. Um, and they are successfully going through with the closing um, because identification was not properly done. Wow. They do a mail-away closing. Um, they also fraudulently yeah. um, take a notary stamp and have a fake notary. Wow. So anyone online can actually go and order a notary stamp online. Um, so unless, you know, the title company is actually verifying that the notary is a valid notary in the state, 
um, property fraud is a risk. Wow. And I, I've actually heard instances of land. That's another one, right? Yes. Where there's nothing on the property. No one lives there. Absolutely. Right. And these fraudsters are actually reaching out to real estate agents, signing an exclusive agency. Sometimes they even provide a fake ID. Right. Because you can just create a fake ID online these days. Right. Um, so the realtor thinks it's a real transaction. Of course. You know, for, they always come up with some sort of excuse why they can't attend a closing in person. Mail-away closings are very popular, even with legitimate sellers. Right. Um, a lot of people don't want to go to closing these days. Um, so that's another circumstance where property fraud, land fraud, vacant property fraud is on the rise these days. Wow. Incredible. Honestly, I wish that we didn't have to have this discussion about it. But, you know, to put your head in the sand is certainly not the way to attack this, right? Absolutely. And you never want an owner of a property calling you and saying, hey, why did you sell my property? I don't have it for sale. Um, So that's just something that the title companies are actually being trained to do. Um, There's several more steps, you know, maybe annoying steps for sellers to go through those specific identity verification processes, but it's something that is necessary these days. Yeah. No, and I appreciate it so much. So when I first met Caitlin, it was in the state of Massachusetts. Um, Because she is an attorney, Massachusetts is what I would consider, and I don't know if this is the legal right way to say it, but it is an attorney state. So when we do our purchase and sales, it is a two-step process. I'm allowed to fill in the blanks for the offer. It's very basic. It's just two pages. Then from there, once the buyer and seller have come to terms after the home inspection, we actually turn it over to our attorney. So Caitlin, whether she's representing the seller or the buyer, works with the other attorney on the other side and puts it all together. So I love that state just for that reason, because it takes a lot of liability off of me. It sure does. It also makes closings um, have many more requirements in Massachusetts. And that's just because a buyer has an attorney, the seller has an attorney, and sometimes even the bank has their own attorney. So there's either two or three attorneys involved in every real estate transaction in Massachusetts, which, like you said, it's an attorney state, and that's why that occurs. Um, Maine and New Hampshire are both title company states, so there is no requirement to have separate legal representation. Right. But... That's why I love you so much. And we use Caitlin even in New Hampshire because it's a win-win. Not only is a title state and it's not required, but Caitlin is an attorney in New Hampshire as well and covers everything that we would need, being able to look at deeds and the title and, and understanding it, not just having an attorney in the office that you pass things by and they say yes or no, but is truly there for the buyer one-on-one working through the whole process. So that's why she's one of our preferred partners and we love having you you around. Absolutely. It's great. So the other thing I would love to talk about only because I've been considering this with my husband is putting our property in a trust. Um, Yes. We have, I'm sure everybody knows, I'm on my second marriage. We have, I have two sons. My husband has two daughters. And we want to make sure that our property, um, you know, goes to our children. Not that anything can happen. I mean, it does and, you know, this and that. And, you know, we've seen crazy stories and and crazy things have happened. So talk to me about trust. You know, maybe is there an advantage to putting a property in a trust? So... A trust is an estate planning tool. It's a tool that you follow upon your death. So it can be real estate related or it can be non-real estate related. Wow. So now, specifically with real estate, what a trust does is 
you have trustees and you have beneficiaries. So a trustee is the manager of a trust. They have control over the trust. They can convey assets in and out of the trust. So that's who a trustee is. Okay. Beneficiaries are individuals who will be receiving an asset. Okay. So you can be the trustee and beneficiary of your own trust. But how most trusts are set up, and every trust can be customized to your individual needs, which is really great. Um, but what usually how people set it up is they become their own trustee and their own beneficiary. Okay. So Michelle, you can be trustee of the Michelle Trust, yep. and you can also be beneficiary of the Michelle Trust. Okay. So that just says, um, and you can also appoint other beneficiaries. So this says, you know, if I sell this property, the beneficiary will be Michelle. However, if Michelle is deceased, it will then go to her children. So there's always backup steps that you can do within a trust. It's an estate planning tool. It completely falls outside of probate court. So in the event that you die, yes, exactly, um, it will automatically transfer to your trust. And then your children or beneficiaries, siblings, parents, whoever you appoint as your beneficiaries, will automatically have that ability to sell that trust asset. You don't need court approval. I mean, court approvals, licenses to sell can take six to nine months, sometimes even over a year. And who's paying for the mortgage and the real estate taxes and the heating bill? Right. I mean, it's these beneficiaries that you would have been protecting if you had it within a trust. Right. So trusts are an important estate planning tool. Um, some people create trust and they forget to actually convey the property into the trust. Yes. So always make sure that there is a deed into the trust. I'm so glad you said that. Of course. I see that so often. I do too. Unfortunately. And again, it goes back to who you're hiring. You know, there's, I don't even know how many attorneys there are, probably just like real estate agents. There's a million of us. I'm sure there is a million attorneys out there. Yes. Not all of us are created equal. And it's so important to understand who you're working with, that not only are they taking your initial idea, putting in a trust, but finalizing so that the benefit actually benefits you. That's right? correct. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Now, there are some nuances with trusts where if you have an trust and you do want to sell your property, you haven't died, it's all good, you're just looking to move on to a different chapter in your life, um, you will have to open up a bank account and the sale proceeds of the home will be payable to the trust because as soon as you convey it to your trust, the trust now owns the property. You no longer as an individual own the property. Your trustee, meaning meaning you're allowed to manage the property, but that doesn't mean that um, the sale proceeds will be payable to you. So that's the one thing that gets sellers who are conveying out of trust is you do have to have that separate bank account and you do have to have a separate tax filing for that. So of course, there's extra requirements when you have that trust, but the protection for estate planning is huge. I, and I think it far away outweighs the other things that you have to accomplish, you know, for that. It's just understanding the process, I think, is really the key to make sure you're prepared and ready. Absolutely. So I do have one question. So on our current home, um, we have a mortgage. Yep. Are we allowed to put the property in a trust if we still have a lien holder, a mortgage on it? Yes. So okay. as long as you are beneficiaries okay. and trustees yeah. of your trust, okay. then you then your mortgage covenants actually say that you are allowed to transfer it. Now, if the beneficiaries um, are, I should say, immediate beneficiaries okay. are yourself, you're allowed to do it. If okay. you want to appoint your kids, you know, 
you know, within five years, the property will automatically transfer to my children. Like I said, you can customate trusts however you'd like. Okay. Um, you just have to have yourself be the primary beneficiaries, I should say. So any kind of secondary beneficiaries, which means upon your death that then transfers to another. Right. That's okay as long as that those beneficiaries aren't the primary. Okay. No, that's great. And I think that if someone had a question um, about trust, they could just reach out to you directly. Of course. Happy to help. And of course, we're talking about real estate, but trust help with everything else, you know, with stocks, IRAs, um, bank accounts. I mean, your car down to your jewelry, you know, all of those can be assets within the trust. So trusts are important. This is going to be my first call as soon as we get off this to make sure we set an appointment (laughs) because I haven't been doing this. We've done a will and we have all that set, but we've been holding off on this because it's been um, honestly a daunting task. I really haven't known where to start with this. Yes. And I'm so glad I have this relationship because I trust Caitlin implicitly. And I know that what you're sharing with me is after listening to our story is going to put us in a good position. Of so that's course. Great. And wills are a great estate planning tool. Yeah. However, you have to remember that a will actually isn't valid until it's submitted to the probate court and approved by the probate court. So you still have to go through the probate and estate planning process if you have a will. By having a trust, you completely avoid the probate process. Love that. That's it. That's a great thing right there. I'm not sure if we can finish here. I wasn't sure if there's anything else. Did you want to share anything else, Caitlin, now that we have you here? Any hot topics? Um, My mortgage company, actually, we talked about this. Caitlin and I had a closing a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about Mr. Cooper, Nation Star Mortgage, was down for three days, and I hadn't made my mortgage payment yet, and I was all freaked out (laughs) because I was going to be late because they had been hacked. Yes, Um, So Mr. Cooper was hacked. That was a security data breach. Wow. And actually last week, the same thing happened to Loan Care Mortgage and Lakeview Mortgage. So it happened to Mr. Cooper last month. Last week, it happened to two more mortgage companies. Um, So they were also down for a week, um, which impacted some closings, some mortgage payoffs. Um, But something similar um, to a data breach is also wire fraud. So going back to those fraudsters, because they're definitely out there, um, wire fraud, if you're ever asked to bring money to closing in the form of a wire, you just want to be able to verify um, with the title company um, that the instructions are legitimate. You should receive it in a secure form. You should always pick up the phone and call on a verified number online um, and not, you know, the number in the email to verify the wiring instructions to make sure that you're wiring the money to the correct place. Yeah, so many phishing schemes out there. Across. There sure is, yes. And they pretend to be the realtor. You know, they pretend to be you, Michelle. They pretend to be me. They pretend to be the loan officer as well, you know, to see if that they can encourage a buyer to send the money in early. Um, so you always want to verify um, verbally, pick up the phone. Someone you trust, you know, call Michelle and say, hey, so-and-so is trying to ask me to wire the funds out today. Is this something I have to do? Yeah. And you know this is a big deal because on the New Hampshire purchase and sale, there is a section now and it's even has a border around it. So it's almost like highlighted, if you could say, right, that you have to sign and say your initialing that you understand that that wire fraud is prevalent and not to do it, right? And just to really be care, uh, cautious of the whole thing. So it's definitely come a long way since I've started this whole thing from a handshake to everything else. But I'm glad that you're here. Yes. Um, such an asset 
such well, an, thank you so much. Honestly, such an asset to our partnership and our business and to all of our clients. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, this is great. And I can't wait to hear more. We will definitely have Caitlin back. We're going to put some questions out on our Instagram at Michelle Doust Realty. If you have specific questions, we're going to tag in Caitlin with us. So if there's anything, um, I think the best bet would be to call her or email her directly if it's especially something confidential that you want to talk to her directly about and don't want to share with everyone, um, that's probably the best bet. But I look forward to hearing from everyone on this. This sounds great. Thanks again. Thank you.